Renegades. Check it out. I want to let you know something. Before I had a podcast, I so badly wanted a podcast, but my brain with all of its thinking thoughts was like, you don't know how to do that. And that sounds like a lot of work. Well, guess what? It wasn't once I found out about Anchor. Anchor allows for you to record your podcast. It's super easy. You just use their platform. They distribute it to all of your other platforms like Apple, Spotify, Stitch. And um, let me tell you, one thing I did learn, there's a lot of platforms out there and you do not want to sit around taking your time uploading your episodes one by one. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast from your phone. Right now, I'm recording this from my phone. Not to mention the tools like the music, like intro music and little sound effects. Like, how fun is that? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go now. If you're at least, if you've ever thought, I want a podcast, I'm telling you, it's really this e- easy. Anchor.fm. Go to the Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm and make it happen. I did it. You can definitely do it. This is Ashley M. Kelsch, and you're listening to Modern Renegades, a life coaching podcast for the person who isn't interested in playing it safe and is ready to question everything they've ever been taught. Each week, we will explore tools and concepts that inspire us to ask, seek, and feel. Your mind will open up to new ideas and beliefs that are not for the norm. They are for the modern renegade. They are for you. Well, hello, renegades. Holy moly. Uh, Obviously, today, we're going to spend some time getting down together about the coronavirus for just like a minute. Um, I was actually thinking this morning, I'm on lockdown. I have my son quarantined. He just got back from Argentina and was traveling and I was like, you know, it's just better that we're not out in public. So, um, and I'm handling that fine. I don't mind it so much. Uh, but this morning my internet was sort of slow and that's when I was like, okay, (laughs) I definitely can't handle quarantine lockdown if I don't have access to the internet (laughs) because, because that would appear to be our lifeline right now. Am I right? I'm how fucking lucky are we? Um, so I know from what I'm observing, uh, that people in Austin have started to accept or at least begin to grasp the brevity of the situation that is the coronavirus. And I have found that explaining to my teenagers how we are going to go about this and how it's our ethical duty to show up to be a little bit challenging. And when it comes to my teenagers, I have my reactions And I have my chosen response, responses actually, right? I can be empathetic, patient, and compassionate, even when, well, actually, especially when they're looking for the loopholes and arguing with me how if they can't go on this next trip, they won't be able to get into the college they want, or I haven't seen my friends in months. A quick hello honestly can't hurt anyone. They see their world shrinking before their eyes while the questions around what's next and then what grow. They mentally slip into the uncertainty, the unknown, the out of control. I remind myself they don't have the experience or the emotional capacity to understand the magnitude of the situation or their actions. And as I look around, it would seem that we, the adults, (laughs) 
don't have the capacity to understand what is happening either. And how would or could we? We can all agree that there are not many generations alive that have experienced a global crisis like this. This is new for all of us. I want to encourage you to consider having grace for not only yourself at this time, but for those around you. When you think about socially distancing, it's no wonder we would resist. It's counterintuitive. Our need for human connection, especially during times of duress, is natural. Not to mention, it's our brains that are literally wired for it. This is what separates us from the lizards and eating our young, y'all. All of that is to say, don't be so hard on yourself if you've been going out or that you want to go out or that you don't think you can survive not seeing people. Your experience is a very human reaction. Regardless if you are following along with the media, televised or social, or even engaging in conversations with people around you, it's easy to get, up, get caught up in the fear. I have found myself slipping into panic over travel bans and getting my son home and what's the right decision in regards to faith and going back to school and what the fuck is going to happen. I have people close to me insisting that this is nothing and the media is just hyping it up to the opposite extreme, insisting I watch that movie Contagion so I can see where this is going and that I shouldn't be living in my apartment sharing um, ventilated air. And listen, I'm just kind of like approaching this like atmosphere, just trying to find a balance in the atmosphere. Both sides of the spectrum can operate how they'd like. It is not for me to convince them to think or act differently but instead focus my time and energy on doing what I believe is right for me based on the data that I'm analyzing. There's zero judgment on anyone for me. This is a very real thing triggering very real thoughts, emotions, and behavior in people, and they are allowed that. I have found it incredibly useful to pause in these moments and ground, to take a deep breath and do an inventory of my thinking, literally fact check. This is what I'm thinking, And is it fear-based or is it what is happening right now? All math, no drama. This requires awareness around my thoughts and deliberate thinking and purposeful feeling for myself and for those around me. I can't control how others choose to operate, be it physically in the world or outward emotionally. I can only control how I choose to think and feel. I was listening to Tim Ferriss interview Tyler Cohen a few weeks ago, and they were discussing meta rationalization. This is where you look to trusted sources for information so that you can make a rational decision. One source Tyler recommends is the Twitter's search bar. You see, most of us are operating from an algorithm and not just on your social media or the internet. This extends to your world of friends and community. This is something I woke up to a few years ago when Trump was elected, my own personal algorithm. I was like, wait, I thought we were all on the same page here. And I quickly realized we all was limited to the people that I talk to, the news feed I subscribe to, the information that is sent to me based on that. And that I live in a bubble that tells me my beliefs are not just mine, but global, which that couldn't be further, further, further from the truth. I'm just living in my own algorithm. It was a beautiful lesson for me. And it taught me a few things. Number one, shake it up. Your opinions are just that, they're yours, and there are 7 billion people in this world. Get outside yourself. Meet people who think differently. Converse with them. Learn. Number two, shatter your belief systems. Cite your sources. Look at all the perspectives. Even try believing new thoughts for a day 
and then decide for yourself based on all of that, what you choose to believe and then change your mind again. Anyway, that is a long winded way of saying the Twitter search bar pulls up information in real time from around the world. You can go through it, filter out the BS and get some facts. There's no algorithm. When you make a decision based on facts, you don't have to keep questioning yourself or going to your friends. You can be the adult. You can get informed and make the decisions that are best for you. You know when it's right. I want to offer encouragement to get creative and look for ways to be social without interacting together. FaceTime your friends instead of texting. Eat with them over the phone. Cook together. Watch movies together. Read. Join in on the live stream of options for yoga, meditation, book clubs, etc. Honestly, how fucking cool is it that these are even options for us? Consider that your space is my space. This entire situation has reminded me of the cleanliness principle and how serious it is. In the past, I've been lazy about washing my hands. I've been lazy about safe sex. Moments like this remind us to wise up. Take care of your health for your sake and for the sake of others. Don't take your body or health for granted. Lastly, and this may seem like it goes against the grain of today's episode on how to lean into your feelings, but I want to remind you that you do have a choice. You can look at this like it's the worst fucking thing ever or choose to look around for the good that is happening around you. Your brain will want to go to the negative. This is what we humans do, and that's okay. Again, grace, patience, compassion. This is the human experience. This is how we evolve. Just keep practicing choosing to see the good around you. Now, let's discuss feelings and emotions, how to process them, and how to create them. I have some useful tools for you that you can start using right now. Okay, so first of all, let's discuss what exactly are feelings or emotions. I'm going with Joe Dispenza today. He says, we now know that our every thought produces a biochemical reaction in the brain. The brain then releases chemical signals that are transmitted to the body where they act as messengers of the thought. In this way, the thoughts produce these chemicals in the brain allow our body to feel exactly the way we were just thinking. So to simplify, in my little words, an emotion is a vibration that goes through your body after you think a thought. Your feelings are caused by your thoughts. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, wait, what? No, something happens and I feel a certain way. I don't even have to think to know what I'm feeling. Well, the reason you think you feel before you think a thought is due to the fact that we are mostly operating subconsciously. Our brains are taking in and processing information at a rate you can't even begin to imagine. You'll be in the line at the grocery store, unloading all the things, thinking about dinner. If the person behind you could just back up a little, you scan the magazines while you put your oat milk on the conveyor belt and you look towards the person in front of you to see if they're almost done. And suddenly you realize you feel upset off. Where did that come from? You do a quick inventory. I'm not upset with the lady paying for her groceries or the clerk and the person behind me wasn't crowding me. That didn't upset me. That's weird. Where did that feeling come from? And then you see the magazines. On the cover of People's Magazine, there's a story about a woman whose children are missing, and bingo, you feel that upset off feeling again. While you were standing there thinking all the thoughts, observing the world around you, 
Your brain had scanned the magazines and began processing the cover story, and it triggered a bunch of thoughts about your kids and the fear she must ex be experiencing, etc., etc., etc. Your brain started to release the chemicals and vibration in your body, but because your full attention wasn't there, you couldn't identify it. This is why we feel out of control at times. This is why we think our feelings are just happening. Consider, if you will, feelings are like notifications on your smartphone. They notify you as to what is going on. If your phone is anything like mine, it's letting you know about your appointments on the calendar, who is calling, if your battery is about to die. There are notifications that get my attention but don't keep it. There are notifications that I don't even notice. And sometimes there are notifications that really need and get my attention, like you have 1% battery left. You've got my attention. <laughs> Feelings come and go all the same. They are notifications as to where you are and where you're heading. When you are tuned into them, you can manage them. And let me be the first to say, just acknowledging or labeling a feeling gives you authority and agency over it. Add allowing to the mix, and now you're talking about leveling up your capacity to feel, aka be human. When you allow yourself to feel, you get intimate with the emotional experience. You start to recognize the sensations in your body. They become familiar friends. This is an added benefit because you don't feel like your emotions are just sneaking up on you. In talking with my clients and observing my own experience, I've noticed a few things happen when we are in our feels. Some of us straight up try to avoid or resist when we do feel quote unquote a bad feeling. Somewhere along the way, we've adopted this belief that feeling negative feelings or discomfort is bad. We should be happy and grateful and so on. Some of us are resistant to feel negative feelings because we believe that if we do, we might not survive it. To lean into the grief, the heartache, the anger, it sounds like a terrible plan. It sounds painful. Why would I go there? I might not make it back. Lastly, some of us judge ourselves for feeling negative emotions. This is just layering the cake, if you ask me. Once you learn how to feel into your feelings, you can start using this as an opportunity to learn and develop self-compassion as well as grace for yourself. It's important to know that the human experience is 50% good and it's 50% bad. That experiencing a full range of emotions, renegades, is the point. If there wasn't any contrast, you wouldn't know the good ones. And furthermore, the point of the human experience is to develop the capacity to feel. This is how we evolve. I'm finding personally, as I learn to do thought working meditate, is that I'll observe myself feeling off and I try to only do that, just observe it, but not really feel into it. Or I try to change my thinking to produce a new feeling. I kind of, it's like a little bit of a hack. It's not necessarily a good thing. This can be counterproductive. There are some feelings that need our attention, but rather leaning into the discomfort, I would basically try and rationalize my way out of it. This behavior being totally subconscious on my part. And I've been getting schooled in this arena. So here's a personal um, experience that happened the last few weeks. I was consumed with my thoughts about my life, my career, motherhood, my birthday, moving. I felt really fucking off. I couldn't pinpoint what and where it was coming from. And I was having this internal tug of war, so to speak. My thoughts went from, this is the most exciting time for you. You made a career out of motherhood. Now you can focus on you. You just turned 40. You're living downtown. This is amazing. To thoughts like, 
Raising your kids was the most meaningful thing you'll ever do. Not having everyone at home at night for dinner or being needed feels lonely. You're not needed the way you once were. Your two favorite people to be with are no longer around the way they once were and you feel disconnected. Life will never be the same. I had convinced myself that this was a time for me to ground and be home, to get centered. But in all reality, I was actually isolating, feeling really edgy and emotional. I was going back and forth trying to sugarcoat some of the thoughts with better thoughts so I could feel better, but I was just creating more feelings of unbalance in me. This is called cognitive dissonance. My behavior was aligning perfectly with my thinking and emotions though, and I finally saw how I was resisting feeling unbalanced. In that particular moment, I allowed myself to explore the feelings without judgment and just sat with being disconnected and ungrounded and off balance. And as I did, I was able to move my way through to the core thought that was causing this feeling of sad. That thought was, my mom life is over. And I stopped right there. I identified and named that sad feeling with that thought. The emotion was grief. Now you can do this by asking, what am I feeling? And bring awareness to it. And when you do this, don't stop with, I don't know what I'm feeling. I can't do this. And then give up in frustration. I've noticed a lot of my peers, myself included, have a very limited vocabulary for the variety of emotions out there. Most of us are like, I'm fine, mad, sad, good, great. But I want to encourage you to expand your knowledge. Level up the options that are available to you. Google a list of emotions or demand Alexa tell you some new ones. Let's get limitless in the emotions department, you guys. Step number two, describe it. This requires you pay attention. Be conscious and mindful about what is happening in your body. Take pen to paper and detail what exactly is happening. Imagine describing it to me as if I wasn't from this world and had no fucking idea what a feeling was or is. How does it move? Fast, slow, static-like? Is it heavy or soft or floating? Does it have a color? Does it feel tight in your chest and neck? What is your heart beating like? Body temperature, hot, cold? Step three, breathe into it and just observe. What's powerful about observing the emotion or being the watcher is the actual shift that happens in your brain. The primal thinking of what the fuck is happening to me and feeling out of control moves into, oh, this is what is happening. It signals to your brain that you're actually okay and not in danger. This is what I mean by you get agency over your feelings. Step number four, surrender with awareness. Let the feeling wash over you and don't rush it. There is no feeling that you can experience that will kill you. You can just be with it. Typically, the emotion will last for 90 seconds or so. That doesn't sound long, I know, unless you're in it. Sometimes anxiety can feel like forever. My brain and my past would also like to argue that um, we just let go of feeling resentment about that one friend and it lasted three years. <laughs> and what about when Chris died? That grief lasted a fucking decade. Here's the skinny renegades. We get caught up on these thought loops and keep recreating the emotion. We lock into a thought let it rinse and repeat 
that isn't actually processing, feeling, allowing, and accepting an emotion in real time. That's us reliving and recreating past emotions. All of that very human, but as you get more skilled at mindfulness and awareness, I promise you can't stop reliving moments and start existing in the present, feeling in real time. After I surrendered, I cried the tears and I mourned the moment. I felt the wave of grief consume me. I had distracted myself for months and not truly acknowledged that having teenagers who were living their own lives, that actually didn't know what life was like not being a full-time mom, was scary to me. I was kind and gentle with myself, and I didn't force myself out of the human experience I was having. I felt the sadness. I grieved the mom life I once had. I went about my day, and when I found myself thinking that part of my motherhood experience is over, and I'd feel the wave of emotion hit me, I would acknowledge it along with, this is me processing pain. This is my journey. I was able to gently move my way out of this feeling as the day went on. There was no rushing it. Honestly, I felt relief solely by acknowledging the grief and allowing it. The resistance was out of my body. The grief didn't kill me. And it was a welcomed experience, a reminder to how much I've loved raising my babies and being a mom. I reached a place and space in my mind that acknowledged when you think the thought, this part of motherhood is over, you create the feeling of grief. This is when I knew I was ready to move to the next phase. I knew it was my thought creating the feeling. The next phase, this is our fact checking, fact checking phase. That is hard for me to say. <laughs> Fact checking phase, all math, no drama. I got very clear on the thoughts I was having and started to focus on the facts. Is motherhood over? Is it okay to not be needed? Can you still have structured sit down dinners? Maybe not with the kids, but with other people. How can you meet your emotional needs? Are you really disconnected from your kids? I looked at all the thoughts from all the sides. I would try the thought on and see how it would feel opposite, sideways, upside down, I'd ask myself, what is the upside to me thinking this way? How does this thought or story serve me? What I want to circle back to is this. When you realize your thoughts create your feelings, not the circumstances, you start to feel control over yourself. For example, it's not me becoming an empty nester that is so upsetting. It's my thoughts that I have about it. Do you know how we know that to be true? Because what you think about being an empty, empty nester is totally different than me. You might be counting the days until your kids move out. I know I have. I also know in November I was thrilled about this next chapter in my life. It's not the people, places, or things causing our feelings renegades. It's our thoughts about all of those things. And it's important to understand that there will be times when you will choose to feel sad or mad, maybe even fearful. The coronavirus is the perfect example. Today, I'm choosing to think as positively as I can, but last week, my brain was sending off all sorts of notifications. I wanted to get my podcast done, but found myself so distracted and too distracted to give it my full attention. Everyone is calling me about the coronavirus. Yes, I have seen the 78 memes about toilet paper, but does that mean we're not producing the toilet paper too? Are the factories shut down? I might need to get Nick home. Definitely canceling our trip to New York. Why would we fly into the virus? No one has it here. It's safer here. I need to get my son home. 
How and where do I research travel bans? Ah, Twitter search bar. He's definitely not going to Spain. Damn. And also, how safe is it for me to be at a sound healing ceremony with 40 people in a large tent? Sweating. Is that the opposite of social distancing? What exactly is social distancing? Do I Google? No, Twitter. Damn it. I wish I had a bidet. And then my brain straight up signaled fear as my thoughts and attention honed in on Nick getting stuck in Argentina, Faith catching this at school. What about my work? Oh my God, our economy. How are local businesses going to survive this? What is this going to do to us financially? Am I prepared? The thoughts flowed and my energy followed. The vibration or the emotion was definitely fear. All the what ifs and all the uncertainty. Fear, because my brain is letting me know based on my thinking, this could be life or death. I grounded in the present moment, reminded myself I didn't have the answers to those questions or the outcomes. The feeling fear isn't going to kill me and that it could actually be quite useful in this moment if channeled correctly. I was literally standing in my bathroom outside of my closet when I fully surrendered to it, the sensations in my body. And I just kept saying, this is me feeling fear. This is me processing my thoughts about the coronavirus. This is fear. This is my brain on fear. This is my brain trying to protect me. Once I felt it, I asked myself, what emotion do I want to feel right now about getting Nick home and taking Faith out of school? What would fear be if it was productive? My answer, proactive and safe. I asked myself, what does that feel like? What does proactive and safe feel like? Well, that feels focused and alert. No time for drama. There's a drive in my body. There's no time for bullshit. I asked myself, how can I commit to that? Well, I can remind myself that this is serious to me. In the infamous words of my gal pal KK, this is mission critical. Mishcrit. Nothing else matters besides this. I can do my research and make my calls. I asked myself, how do I act when I'm committed to feeling this way? <laughs> like a motherfucking superhero, Ashley. And then renegades, I saw myself here acting like a motherfucking superhero and my results followed. I got shit done. This is how you create feelings on purpose and you will get distracted. So you want you to start at the top. What emotion do I want to feel? And what does that feel like? And you just keep choosing it over and over again. Chances are you may not want to change how you feel right now. You may want to be scared, mad, or angry, all of which you're entitled to remind yourself. I'm choosing this feeling. It's not choosing me. Sit gently with it. Make friends with the feelings. They are notifications informing you as to where you are and where you're going. All right, my loves, I'm sending you 10 second consensual energetic hugs from six feet away. I want you to keep those hands and your heart chakra scrubbed. Don't forget that I love you. And remember, keep in mind, this is going to pass. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. there we have it y'all another week down shattering beliefs oh, are you here for it you're here for it obviously I'm definitely here for it listen this is the part where I ask that you do me a solid and you head on over to my website www.ashleymkelsch.com and click on that podcast button you can go there and you can leave your comments or ask questions about the podcast that maybe you have um, and as always apple spotify uh, anchor, head on over to that. Subscribe, five stars. My reviews could use your words. 
Uh, sharing is caring. You got to spread the word, right? So I need your help in doing that. I appreciate your support and you're tuning in and you're telling your friends. And until next week, watch those thoughts. Oh, 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 oh,